Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars show brought to you from a galaxy far, far away. On today's show, you can expect more potential BS about Kathleen Kennedy. You can expect a mystery involving Darth Vader being solved, plus a cheeky little prop from the original trilogy that is making its way into the hands of collectors. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Asquith. Some would say the taller of the two hosts, and they would be factually correct. However, however, when it comes to the looks, the talent, the hair, and of course, the comedy, and let's be completely honest with you, the entire workload of Sparker Rebellion, I'm going to have to hand you over to my co-pilot in the X-Wing. Someone sat there fixing up the X-Wing as I battle my way through the hyperspace lanes. It is, of course, Mr. Gary Ailert. How are you doing, dude? I'm all good, thanks, buddy. Uh, welcome, listeners, to episode 64. I love how you've uh, relegated me to DAC status in the X-Wing. So you you big me up and said, you know, I was the dude with, with everything. And then, like, you're at the front, you're Luke, at the front of the X-Wing, and I'm just DAC who gets his ass whipped. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Good, good, good. Yeah, well, the thing is, you've got to realise that every good pilot needs a co-pilot. And, you know, I credit other comedians. So, <laughs> so what you got just, to think yeah, about? yeah. So Is I'm not it? even R2 who survives the entire saga. Uh-huh. I'm just Dak that just, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah. he's got a place in the trilogy. Like, he's got a place there. He, 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 you know, he fights for what he believes in, and that's what you're doing every week, guys, when you pull on the old punching gloves, the old boxing gloves, and you come and fight your way through this episode with me. So That's true. You know, that's true. Keep on fighting. <laughs> How are you, buddy? It. I was doing all right, and then you, uh, you know, you accused me of shading you. Now I feel terrible. I think you've ruined my weekend. How are you? Have you done your Lego yet? <laughs> I've not done my Lego, no. I'm tired of this. I t- <laughs> I'm rubbish, mate, with this. I'm so sorry, dude. It's like, I've, I've flicked. I, actually, no, I'm not going to do that. That would be extremely irresponsible and stupid of me. I was going to say that um, uh, I've got like a personal to-do list, which I used to have in something called Todoist. And I've scrapped Todoist. I've now started using Notion for the past month, I suppose. But I'm still getting my head around it, so I'm blaming the software, dude. I'm blaming the tools. I know a good, a good, uh, uh, a good carpenter or whatever doesn't blame the tools, but I'm telling you, man, Notion's just screwed me for a bit. So that's my excuse. We should talk on that because actually, uh, like Notion is one of those tools that just does everything. It's like the Swiss Army knife of online tools. It's like, ooh, you can do what you can do in Evernote or build a wiki, or you can do a to-do list, or you can write courses or books in there. And I'm like. Because I've got a Notion account. I'm like, this is that good and does that much stuff that I don't want to use it for anything because I don't quite know what it does. It's like, it's this weird thing, isn't it? So yeah, all right, fair play. I'll let you off with that one then. Sure, sure. So it's on there. It's on. I've got a little card for it. It's there, mm-hmm. you know. You've got a card for it? What, like a Trello card? I've got like a Trello card. Exactly that, like a Kanban board style little Trello card. 
and it just says Lego. That's all it says. You know what it means. You read between the lines. You read between the lines. All right, mate. Well, that's good. You know, thanks for letting me know that you've still thrown shade at the Lego. But uh, at the same time, <laughs> you know, you have allocated some time to it. And uh, look, mate, if I can find time to watch Mary Poppins Returns like I did the other night, you can find time to do a little bit of Lego. What a belter. What a belt. I, I don't know about it. Emily, Emily Blunt is lovely. But I just, like, some of the songs were just a bit forgettable. And I'm like, you know, I'm all over a good Mary Poppins. But what's, what can I say? We need to bring up the Mary Poppins cast. Do you think there's a Mary Poppins podcast? There's got to be, hasn't there? Well, I would assume so. There's a podcast for everything these days. Cliched statement, I know. But there must be a, you know, or a classic Disney podcast that's covered it, at least. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. That sounds right. Well... Before we get into the into the juice, before we get into the good stuff, let's talk about the social medias. We're on them, as you might have expected. We're on MySpace, Bebo, Friends Reunited, all the big ones. <laughs> no, no, just a little joke. We are, of course, on the Twitter, the Instagrammings, and the Facey B for our sins. Just do a little search for Spark Rebellion. You'll see some bants that we have over there, and uh, because that's what we do, because we are not social media gurus. So what we do is have a little bit of bants. Go and check it out. Hit us up on social media. And if you enjoy the show, which I know many of you do, thank you so much for tuning in every week. You can get involved over on our Patreon. That is right. We have a Patreon where you can get involved and you can Grab yourself a little bit of swag. Grab yourself a laptop sticker. You can stick it on a cup. You could stick it on your chin like Timmy Mallet used to do. You could do anything you want with it. Also, you got your chance to appear on the show with the random spotlight, the review and discussion, and of course, those exec producer credits. So when you're down the pub, now the pubs are reopened, you can say, guess what I did during lockdown? Became exec producer of a rad, bad and mad Star Wars podcast based out of the UK, run by two startling good-looking people. That's worth five bucks a month. Get over there, patreon.com slash sparkofrebellion. So, guys, what have you been doing in Star Wars this week, dude? What have I been doing in Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I like that phrase. It just brought back a nostalgia hit then. Tuning in every week. I love that. Thanks for tuning in every week. It, like, reminds me of the old, see, like the old tube style TVs where you had to tune into a channel. Yeah, it's like a same back time, same back channel, isn't it? Love it, dude. Spark of Rebellion, tune in, <laughs> same time every week. Love it. What have I done in Star Wars? Uh, I haven't done anything really, not Star Wars related anyways. Uh, the most that I've done um, is watch uh, a couple of fan-made trailers. I went back and watched this really cool uh, fan-made um it was the the fight between Obi-Wan and Vader. I think that was out maybe a year ago, something like that, where they expanded that whole uh, lightsaber duel they had on the Death Star, which is just so badass. It, it came from uh, one of the stories we've got coming up is a fan edit for something. And uh, yeah, that sort of sent me down the rabbit hole a little bit with YouTube. So I watched a few other fan edit stuff. And there's some really great stuff out there, man. Some really cool fan edit things and it's um it's interesting when you watch through a through a, a bunch of those we, we've also got the um you know the star wars theory guy you know with his really like high budget um vader fan film and all that stuff it's an interesting thing with those fan films you know um there seems to be like one one that like two different motives for those fan films you've got the guys that just love star wars and they just want to expand on the story and they just want to uh, give you some backstory or some coolness um, for a particular character within Star Wars. There's, oh, there's another really cool Darth Maul fan film as well, 
which is pretty high budget. It's pretty badass. And then there's some other fan edits, like the one we're going to talk about later, where they're just so pissed off with what uh, Lucasfilm or Disney have put out. So like, right, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make my <laughs> make my own version and just show you what what could have been. So uh, it was cool just spending an hour watching those things. But um, yeah, it was cool. And I also need to um, hunt down. I ordered a bracket to put my lightsaber up on the wall and I threw it away accidentally. So that's annoying. So it was one of those things where it came with some other Amazon stuff in an envelope, opening up other stuff. It must've just got thrown in with the boxes. So that really annoyed me. So I need to order another lightsaber bracket. That's me. Got an Amazon Prime. They've got everything. Lightsaber brackets are us. They're everywhere. I can't believe you threw it away. Why would you do that? Was that like in the move, the house move? No, no, no. This was like last week or about four days ago. I ordered it from Amazon, the bracket, and it came with some other Amazon stuff. So Wait while a I was this opening, is a new order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brand new. I hadn't even opened the bracket, but it, it just somehow got mixed up with the other shit that I had unboxed and I just threw it away. And I knew exactly what, you know, you know what, good. you know, when your, your brain just sort of like immediately knows that you, that you effed up. So when I was looking for the bracket, I was like, ah, I don't even have to get off the sofa to know that it went in the bin. <laughs> and you just resigned to the fact you're like, ah, screw it. Where's my phone? Let me get on Amazon. Yeah. Get another one. Get another beer. Just you know, reminisce about it. <laughs> now, the happy days that we had together, you and me, bracket. Exactly. Those yeah. two short-lived days. The one that got oh. away. Eh? What about you, dude? You done anything Star Warsy? Not loads, actually. It's been a quite a quiet week with Star Wars stuff. Um, I've been trying to blast through the Dark Tower books, the Stephen King books, so I'm like blitzing through those as quickly as I can. Um, so that's kind of taken me a little bit away from Star Wars reading. But I've been doing like the usual research and just doing, you know, a bit of Googling, a bit of looking around, seeing what the dealio is out there. Um, and just, you know, come across a few nice stories around Thrawn um, and, and some of the new books that are coming out from Timothy Zahn with that one. So they look quite interesting. Um, and then reading up on, on a couple of bits, um, which I think we're going to get to later with the new, um, is it Alexander Freed that did the, the second Alphabet um, Squadron novel, um, which has come out recently. And that's, that's, that's got a little bit of um, info from like Vader and the Sith and so on. So that that's what I've been doing, just kind of looking into that sort of stuff and looking at what's next for Star Wars um, from a literary sense. But not really loads this week. It's been a quiet week on the Star Wars front, but uh, I mean, there's always something going on when it comes to the news, isn't there? Which, which obviously we'll get to in a sec. So quite a quiet week though, not been consuming too much. However, I don't make you feel bad about not doing your Lego, but I have started my Lego Boba Fett helmet. So I'm going to finish that <laughs> this weekend. Nice, um, nice. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'll probably throw it in the bin like you did. Get it in there. <laughs> you don't want to be left out, do you? You don't want to be the one that you, the guy that's not throwing stuff in the bin. Yeah, not the guy that keeps stuff. <laughs> I want to be that guy. <laughs> Star Wars Lego stuff. <laughs> he keeps that. Anyway. What a geek! Look at him buying it and keeping it. <laughs> what <Ooh>. a geek! <laughs> <laughs> so that's this week, dude. And uh, yeah, you know, there's always something going on in the world of Star Wars, which brings us to our first news item. Ah, the main man, the Doomcock, the Doomcockmeister, Doomcockarino, he's back with his rumours. So if you look at Cosmic Book News, which always amazes me, uh, always, always amazes me, um, the old Doomcock is back, you know, he's been putting theories out. We talked about it last week that um, he'd come out with this theory 
that posited that Disney was ready to rock and roll by, well, erasing the sequel trilogy. That's right, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, about to get wiped out by Disney. And apparently, if you look at this, so this, this article that we're posting in the show notes, he, um, he goes on to say that he'll do it through this concept, which is the veil of the Force, you know, the world between worlds. That, you know, narratively, a fine idea. Commercially, ain't never going to happen. And I'd, I would be shocked if anything even comes close to even trying to wipe this out. But we also discussed this last week, I think, or the week before. In his most recent report, uh, this is straight from Cosmic, uh, Cosmic Butt News, and this is this is quoting the YouTuber. It says, Kathleen Kennedy's reign of terror is almost at an end. I've been sitting on this information for weeks, now seeking further confirmation, but at this point, I've heard enough from various viewpoints to credit this rumour may have some validity to it. Um, and the logic for that is that Kathleen Kennedy is getting sacked because they're dead. she's dead set against binning off the sequel trilogy, weirdly, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know, man. This is just doing the rounds again. I, I think Kathleen Kennedy's days are numbered, frankly. I think you've got, like, whatever, a, 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 a contract that is coming up that she will probably not be asked to stay on for afterwards. But like we said before, I mean, it's the same old. I don't see this big, big, big civil war. There's probably some rumblings of, you know, Favreau saying, I want to do it this way. Kennedy saying, I want to do it the other way. Um, But a civil war is quite a big thing. And to even postulate that these sequel trilogy movies could be erased, you know, I just, I can't see it ever happening. And even if they did do it, it wouldn't be this hard reset. It would be this whole... The, you know, the worst case, and this is really like BSing it, it would be this whole, oh no, it's a multiverse. Look, that happened over there. It did happen. It's just in that timeline. Like, here's another one. But just imagine introducing that to Star Wars fans. Like, you just become any other franchise. You become DC, you become Marvel, don't you? So, I don't know, dude. I mean, same old crap as last week, or is, you know, to, to Doomcock's credit, you know, he's, he's had some fairly sound leaks in the past, but is this, is this just bunkum, dude? Yeah, I, excuse me. I, I think this is complete bunkum. This is just BS all over it. I mean, it it just feels like people are making up shit because there's nothing actually juicy going on to report. If you look at like what's happening with the timeline, you've got Kathleen Kennedy, whose contract is up next year at some point. So she's just working on her exit strategy. Now, to normal folk, anyone that's got any knowledge of um like larger corporations when you've got like somebody at the head of the uh, of the table or one of the heads this is completely normal it's not like like if i was to leave my job next week i'm you know i don't have to sit there in front of board members and like say you know and present like some kind of um replacement strategy and exit strategy and all that stuff i just go you know hammer noticing and I'm, i'm out the door whereas somebody like kathleen kennedy she has to make sure that when when she goes, whoever's going to replace her, that there's like, you know, there's a smooth handover and everything's, you know, as it should be. And then she's also thinking about what she's going to do next. And there's been some uh, reports that she's going to start a new production company that's going to be predominantly female-based and it's going to go down that road. So that all that stuff is completely normal. And then um, Doomcock's also, <laughs> also said... Uh, 
that his source has said that nearly a month ago, my source notified me that a big meeting happened regarding the future of Lucasfilm and Bob Biger was there. It's like, well, well, yeah. And then he's like, but what was significant about it is that Kathleen Kennedy did not participate in the meeting. Now, I don't know about you, dude, but regardless of what's happening at, at the at Lucasfilm, whether there's divides or whatever, but this is just like, there could be a million reasons why Kathleen Kennedy was not in that meeting. But, you know, as a Star Wars fan, it's like, <gasps> she was in that meeting because like, they, they hate each other and they can't talk to each other and their opinions differ so much that it would erupt into some kind of argument and there would be, dude, come on. This is, I can't, I can't really talk about it anymore without laughing about it. It's just, when you read into it, it's like, come on, this BS all over it. Yeah, these people like I always think the same with like Mike Zero, and not to not to throw too much hassle at Mike Zero, but he does these same kind of hyperbolic um, headlines on his videos, and it's all just like bait and switch. It's always bait and switch, and this is like you said, it's the same sort of thing. Like like what you've just like explained there with what that reaction has stemmed from is like my mum like looking out the street on the cul-de-sac and seeing Sharon going into next door's house and then extrapolating that to an affair. Do you know exactly what I mean? Exactly that, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it is, <laughs> isn't it? It's like we didn't see Kathleen Kennedy go in the door. So she can't have been there. She can't possibly have been there because we were outside the door and we watched it. So she's she's out. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we'll probably imagine like in six months time, we'll be doing an episode where it's like, I can't believe they've erased all that sequel trilogy. <laughs> Well, here's, here's, here's a more realistic theory. If you've got people watching the door and you see Bob Iger and Bob, uh, what's his face? Chapek. Chapek, you know, and some Chappy. other people go in the meeting room, but Kathleen Kennedy's not there. Here's probably a more realistic thing. It's like, guys, just to let you know, um, uh, Kathleen won't be here in person because of uh, where, wherever she is at the minute, she can't, she can't get here because of COVID and some restrictions. So we've just got her on video call. So let's crack on. That's probably yeah, that's more fair. of a realistic uh, thing. So she probably did attend, but just not in person, which is completely reasonable during these times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is. Well, that brings us on to the next piece of news as well, which is a kind of a sequel to this, <laughs> a sequel that's not going to be erased, which is from LRM Online. And the title of this one, this was published July 2nd, the title of this piece is, No, Lucasfilm is not erasing events from the Star Wars sequel trilogy. And it's basically this, this guy, Joseph Jammer Medina, which is a badass name. And it's, it's like, it sounds like you've written it, mate. So let me read this paragraph to you, okay? So it starts off going on about what we've just talked about and the fact that that rumour will not disappear. And then he goes on to say, this is where it sounds like it's you. Because the internet is the internet, a lot of people rejoice this idea. The hate for the sequel trilogy is strong, so strong that it leads to fans clinging to the most ridiculous of ideas. And I'm sad to say that in spite of the fervour surrounding this rumour among certain sects of the fandom, no, this rumour is not true. I felt ashamed we even had to reach out to our source at Lucasfilm to ask about this, but did so just so that we can log it away. So, they've reached out to Lucasfilm. So there's obviously sources within sources. Worlds in worlds. And look... 
Lucasfilm had come back and said, you know, the contact here said, we are not actively setting out to nullify the timeline through multiversal means. They're putting the Skywalker saga behind them, moving on to different things, working on the Mando, working on Obi-Wan show, the Ahsoka Tano stuff, and exploring different points in the timeline around the reign of the Empire. No need to cross over into the sequel trilogy. Um, and of course, they've got movies from Waititi, potentially Ryan Johnson, um, that will go far outside anything that we've seen before in the franchise. And just to summarise it, they say that Lucasfilm is not trying to paint over the past. They're doing exactly the opposite, which of course is focusing on the future. So, you know, it's it, it, this is exactly how we've been feeling, you know, and it's I think it's... Joseph really sums it up when they say, he says, look, I'm almost embarrassed to have to report this. Um, there's not too much to say about this. It just is what it is. It's like, it's like common sense prevails, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I added this to the list because I felt it was important to have another side of the story from someone who's not Lucasfilm, who can just try and make a little bit of sense of what's going on in the world of rumors and stuff and just have a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a, a little bit of um, uh, some gumption about them, you know, because when you've got people like Doomcock and and those guys that are just running away with it, you know, they put this video out, it gets a little bit of traction. So like, wow, this is getting me loads of views and clicks and whatnot. So I'm going to expand on it and get some more views and all that stuff. That's great if you want to grow your channel that way. I personally wouldn't if I had a YouTube channel grow it that way. But if you want to grow it that way, um, and do it through through rumour and conjecture, which just sounds ridiculous. Like when we were reading the last story uh, with the Doomcock stuff, as, even as you're reading it out, <laughs> it just, it sounds ridiculous. So it was great to have these guys at LRM. And they, these guys have been right in the past with their own stuff. So these guys have had... Um, uh, they not leaks, but they've they've hinted at stuff in the past, and it's come it's come to fruition. So these guys have had their own uh, sources and stuff. So it, it was just good to have another voice of reason, if you like, just to say, look, we're not involved with Lucasfilm, but we also recognise that it's just complete crap. So yeah, it's good. It's, it's good that someone else has, has tried to put them straight, and someone that's got a much greater reach than you and I right now. You know, they can actually get in touch with Lucasfilm and debunk this a little bit. So yeah, fair play to the LRM guys on that. And we've put that in the show notes as well. And what you'll notice in the show notes, if you're looking at uh, the show notes on our website, if you are at sparkerrebellion.com or indeed on Spotify, you'll notice that we've added new clickable timestamps. So for every topic that we discuss, uh, let me give you a little example of this one. 0208, Gary throws shade at Mark's Lego. So a perfect example of how we are using timestamps to help you to navigate through the audio. So making your listening experience a little better and also making it easy for ourselves to call out our own BS, like Minute 208, where Gary pretends he's got a Kanban board with a Lego to-do item on it. So we'll keep checking back in on that one every week, team, and uh, join us next week for the latest in the Lego Walker saga. We'll be back with that. Right, up next, up next, the old Sith. These bugalugs, they're back. Or are they? We don't know. But we talked about it at the beginning, actually. There's been a new novel published, Shadowfall. You remember the old Alphabet? Was it Alphabet Squadron? Um, it might not have been Alphabet Squadron. But they did a book which was all around um, a squadron. Alphabet Squadron, was it? Was it that one? 
I'm forgetting. But they, they did this book. Alexander Freed did this book, which was all about this squadron of TIE fighters, of uh, X-Wing fighters, um, after Return of the Jedi, figuring out what to do. And basically they were hunting down the um, this elite special forces TIE fighter squadron. It's actually a pretty decent book. Took a little bit of getting into um, because of there was just a, just this array of new characters, but we also had Harrison Duller in there, uh, introduced some new characters. Erica Krell was was the main one. Um, so there's a sequel to this book called Shadowfall, and I mean this is this is certainly reaching, but um, it's quite curious nonetheless. So you know we've got this whole a High Republic era kicking in over the next few months. Well, this Shadowfall book potentially hints at how the Sith could fit into that. So we know um, probably the best example of this, or probably the best two examples of this, of this are um, Hugo Demesk, who was, of course, Darth Plagueis, and uh, Sheev Palpatine, who was Darth Sidious. You know, they were very um, well-to-do, very aristocratic style, um, you know, real kind of, especially from a, a Darth Plagueis perspective, real kind of um, banker clan people. You know, they controlled the money, they controlled the trade, had a heck of a lot of power to manipulate people. Um, th- they were essentially godfathering the way through the galaxy and and just becoming this, this unseen power pulling the strings behind the scenes. So... In this new book, Shadowfall, um, it talks about this battle on the planet Troyth, which had been an important world in the mid-rim. Um, really, it's just about the fall of this planet and this idea that maybe someone else is pulling the strings. So let me read you this little excerpt from it. Um, the, the, the notion is that this planet Troyth couldn't keep up with Coruscant coming up and rising as the central force and the central power in the galaxy um, from an industrial perspective. And this is this is the, the, the write-up that has spawned this um, discussion. So here we go. As Coruscant's production had waxed, Troyce waned due to factors both unavoidable, the exhaustion of precious minerals resources on the broken continent, the Cerberon systems decreased in accessibility and a republic expanded into the colonies and inner rim, the gradual decay of Troy's planetary orbit as it spiralled towards the black hole and a tragically preventable and short-lived civil war between the mixed species underclass and the majority human population. A conflict, and this is where it gets interesting, a conflict manipulated in part by an ambitious aristo-mercantile family seeking to profit. So, planet, the orbit's a black hole, having a civil war, the working class getting downtrodden, the upper class being manipulated by this mercantile aristocratic family, which of course speaks to people like Darth Plagueis, Chief Palpatine. So that's all it, that's all it is. And there's basically some speculation coming out now that maybe this is how we'll start to see the Sith appearing in um, the High Republic era, being these aristocratic, almost a Count Dooku-esque aristocratic kind of force that is manipulating things. Also, kind of to add potential credibility to this, they did just come out in Star Wars very recently, I think this week, and talk about the fact that the Plagueis novel is now not canon. So there's potential for Plagueis to get involved somewhere. Um, There's a lot around this. I mean, there's a lot more to dig into on this. Um, Erica Quell, um, or Erica Kell, however you say it, stumbling upon an ancient Sith stronghold in an asteroid belt, something that she wouldn't have found, something that Luke wouldn't have found, but she probably would 
sorry, he probably would have been looking for. Um, and just a very quick skip through the last couple of bits. She finds a massive tower described in terms reminiscent of Darth Vader's home on Mustafa, in particular the fork. You know, it had the fork, didn't it, to channel the dark side. Um, that kind of same architecture, uh, which is from Sith Lord uh, Darth Momin, um, which is that, that's from the comics, isn't it, Momin? I don't know if you've read that one. Um, so there's a heck of a lot of speculation in this, but I don't think this Sith stronghold with the forked architecture is an accident. Um, not, sh- I mean, this Arist- Aristo mercantile family, you know, manipulating galactic affairs, starting with the planet Troyth. Maybe it sounds a bit Sithy, um, but I don't know, man. It's just, that's the report that's on screenrant.com. Um, there's a heck of a lot of information in that. Um, so w- what do you say about this, dude? What, what does this leave you thinking? Uh, yes, I quite, I, I'm into this because as you've just um, read through and, and given your thoughts on it, it does sound very like prequely politicsy, George Lucasy style stuff, you know? Uh, it it just it lends itself very well to that um, that prequel era kind of politics stuff because that was one of the potential pitfalls I guess with the prequels was that for younger kids um, you, you know we know Star Wars is for kids anyway according to everyone that used to work at Lucasfilm but one of the potential things for kids was that they wouldn't get their head around the politics side of things you know they're not they're not interested in Palpatine moving up the ranks politically and becoming that's they just want to see lightsabers and people getting their ass whipped and and, and lasers and the force and stuff so however we, we, we came you know we got over that everyone seemed to nowadays anyway everyone seems to love all that stuff so it, it does sound like it's got that kind of under like the political underpinnings that we we watch through especially the prequels and some of the OT so it does it does have I reckon it does have some some it does uh, hold some water in that respect. Uh, the only thing is, is I can't see them diving too much into the direction of Vader too much, um, and Palpatine because I think you and I spoke about this uh, a month or so ago when we first when we dived into some of the High Republic stuff. Was that in all in order for them to establish this new era? Uh, and and do that well they really need to get some some great characters rocking and rolling from the out from the outset because if you uh and and again we spoke about this a similar thing with the mandalorian if you start to introduce sort of big names that have already been established throughout the trilogy or the saga sorry then you move the focus away a little bit from the characters you're trying to create and you've just given them a, a like a like a crutch already to lean on if things don't quite go too well. So uh, I'd like to see them not name drop so much. So when we do start getting into these books and comics and whatnot, it would be great to just have the odd little mention here and there, but not, not, not dive down that road too much of Vader and Palpatine were doing this. Vader was doing that. This is, you know, this other planet that we've discovered with this other, um, building that kind of looks like his, 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 uh, his tower on Mustafa and all that stuff, because then all you're doing is you're kind of just dragging along like all of that stuff that we've already been through a number of times throughout those books and comics with the whole Vader stuff and, and all that. So I think it's great. I think it, it, it could support this, this high Republic stuff in general. Um, 
but just the whole Sith thing, I just feel like they need to establish somebody new, like a, a new entity within the Sith or or kind of the Sith, whatever. And then just later on, you know, like years down the line when we maybe get some High Republic films or a TV, TV series or something, then they can maybe drag some of that stuff in with the Vader and, and all that. I just feel like for the time being... They just need to get these newer characters in this newer era that we've not seen before established in their own right and then name drop a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree, dude. And it's one of the worries that we have with Mando. Um, you know, the fact that season two and season three even seems to be just, you know, rumoured to feature so many people from across the Skywalker saga, which is not necessarily a bad thing because it did spend one season establishing itself. But there's definitely something where you have to think, well, look, Let's use this sparingly. And if we're fine, you know, if you're going to use this as a bit of a backdoor pilot for an Ahsoka Tano series, fine, do that, but make it very, very light touch stuff. Um, again, a little bit like kind of Arrow did with Flash back in the day. So it is this kind of weird situation, isn't it? And again, we've said it before where the only marketable thing about Star Wars are the things that we already recognize. To, you know, in order for a film to make a billion dollars, which seems to be the benchmark for every movie now, if it's not made a billion dollars, it's considered a failure. Look at Solo. Um, you, I think you you have the problem if you're Disney that the only things that theoretically can make a billion dollars are the things that we recognise as Star Wars fans. You and I will love it. You and I will love anything that comes that's Star Wars, and we'll dig into it and we'll 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 enjoy it and we'll figure out whether we like it or whether we dislike it. Either way, we will get it. You know that that dollar is is a safe bank for them, but. You know, like my mum or my brother or, or you know, Sam, she's not going to go see a Star Wars movie just because it says Star Wars on it unless it's very clearly going to hook her in some way. And there's no way, in my view, I think it's very difficult to hook someone with a new set of Star Wars characters that is to be expected to make a billion dollars. You know, that's, if it was like back in 1977, even back in 1999, where it was, wow, this is Star Wars, but it's not expected to be a billion-dollar franchise. It's just expected to do well, not a billion dollar. Then fine. But fandom is such, and commercial kind of approaches to franchises are such now that it will be expected to deliver a billion dollars. And to do this without having a seed of Vader in there or a seed of Yoda or Skywalker, the name, or... Do you know what, like, you can almost imagine, like, imagine if this were, like, a, a 90s trailer, you know, when the trailers just explained everything. It'd be like, from the same team that brought you Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia Organa. Whereas <laughs> now, it's like, how, we can't just do that anymore. We can't just go, yeah, this is the same thing. They've got to do something to, to make it obvious. And I think that's where the gap is, you know? So I'd, I'm with you on it. I think it sounds very Lucas. I think it sounds very interesting that there's a slow burn potential that comes with this but that ain't going to make a billion dollars so it's weird isn't it it's like this weird place that lucasfilm finds itself in yeah exactly that it's um if they were to make a high republic film next year it's a pretty safe bet unless it turns out to be like the trailers are the best trailer you've ever seen regardless of if it's a star wars film or not the the, the film itself just looks like oh my god there's no way that I could not see that, which is highly unlikely. Uh, it just wouldn't wouldn't make a billion, would it? So I think this is the whole point of um, 
this whole new story group thing that's uh, that's been set up at Lucasfilm. I forget the name of it now. Is it Project something? Uh, yeah, Project... What is it called? Yeah, that thing. So I think that was the whole point of that, right? Is to get all of these cool writers together that have worked on books and comics and whatnot and, uh, and get them to get loads of good story content out for a year or two, see what the reaction's like, and then make a decision probably. So like, okay, Star Wars fans seem to they seem to like what we do. So yeah, it's just it's just waving. <laughs> just still doing walks for men cap. More of these. More of these, and yeah. So yeah, I, I guess we'll see how this High Republic stuff goes, and then yeah, maybe the uh, maybe Ryan Johnson's working on a trilogy of High Republic films, and the reason why we haven't heard anything. And we won't hear anything for a while. Is because we don't know how fans will take to it yet. Safe bet, dude. Got to try and try and see what sticks. Some of the accidental things that stick become the biggest parts of any given franchise. So yeah, totally get that. And speaking of um, franchises and things that you wouldn't expect to see and things that you never expected to even be talking about, Julian Glover. Julian Glover, who is, of course, General Veers in Empire Strikes Back, the guy that, you know, he becomes the boss and uh, doubles down his efforts and all that stuff. But, well, there is a boss, but he's the boss. And he's 85 years old, this guy, which is outstanding to me. And is he 85? Am I just making that up? Yeah, we'll say he's 85. And if you're not, sorry, Julian. Anyway... He's been in all sorts of films, mate. He's been in James Bond. Obviously, he's uh, General Veers in Empire Strikes Back. He was uh, Walter Donovan, the bad, bad guy in Indiana Jones' The Last Crusade. Remember that guy? He was a total ass. Great character. Anyway, he's had a... And I'm going to use his phrasing for this, right? He's had a bit of a sort out. He's had a bit of a sort out in lockdown, and he's just gone through all his stuff. And... Uh, He's flogging some stuff. So he's got, you know, the original badge. So if you watch Empire Strikes Back, you know what I'm talking about. And he's got this rank insignia badge, which shows he's a general. It's like, it's blatantly perspex or something. And it's just, you know, it's it's four red bits of perspex and a blue bit of, four blue bits of perspex. But he's still got it. It's been in his loft. And he's like, yeah, now I'm selling it. And his logic for this is actually really sound. He said, look at my age. I'm eight, he's 85. I'm 85 years old. I'd rather sell this and uh, let someone get some more enjoyment out of it. And I'm like, like, I like the altruism on that, but the cynic in me is like, you're going to get a bit of brass for that though, aren't you? So, you know, let's not pretend it's not about the brass. So otherwise you just give it away. But it's, it, this is cool, man. This is a cool little piece of Star Wars memorabilia that, you know, it, it doesn't pop up very often. This type of thing doesn't pop up very often. He's also selling, which is arguably cooler, photographs, costumes, props, and memorabilia from Indiana Jones, including his script from Indiana Jones, which to me is arguably more valuable um, and certainly more explainable to the layman when they walk in the house like, what's that? You're like, oh, that's a badge from Star Wars. What's that? It's a script from Indiana Jones. You can see that it's the script from Indiana Jones, not something that I've made out in the bench outside. So <clears throat> this is quite a cool little thing, dude. And he also says, well, just to finish it off, East Bristol Auctions, who are running this auction, um, he said that he had lots more 30 years ago, but binned items thinking they had no value. <laughs> play what a legend um listen he sounds like a classic jobbing actor that just like you know he goes to a conference gets a pen 
chucks it in the bin because he's never going to use it. But his pens from conferences are like props from Empire Strikes Back. And he's just so blasé about it. He's like, I'd be all right, get another one. So yeah, this is cool, man. This is cool. Would you have a pop on this? Yeah, dude, I think this is really cool. And I think what makes this story more entertaining than the actual items themselves is what you said about Julian Glover's just like, oh, this stuff's been piling up for a while. Now, I can just imagine that conversation with whoever it was, his wife or somebody, I don't know. I can just picture it. It's just so funny. It's like, we've got nothing else to do, love. And this stuff's been piling up for a while. Do you have a bit of a clear out, a bit of a sort out? And then he's going through stuff and he's like, oh, I didn't realise that. Oh, brilliant. I didn't realise I had that bit. Oh, and look, we found this other stuff. And then, and what's what's really cool is instead of just saying, right, you know, this is a piece of important film memorabilia, I'm obviously going to keep that under lock and key. He's like, I'll just get rid of it. I'm 85. I've had, have, had me innings. I'm not going to enjoy it. You know, let's just give it to somebody who does uh, appreciate it and will enjoy it. So... It's just so cool, dude. But yeah, I, I think the indie stuff is more, don't get me wrong, the the, the badge that he wore uh, in Empire is very cool. The, um, what's it called? The, uh, the the stripes to sort of denote his um, his rank uh, is bad. That's very, very cool. But like you said, I think the indie stuff is a little bit more, I think that will go for more money. Uh, the script and um, there was something else as well that he had from Indy. Um yeah, like a, a cape or something or a bit of a costume that he wore. So I think that stuff will go for more money. But yeah, I do like that little that little badge, the ATA, the ATAT pilot. I don't know, man. It's just something about it. It's iconic, dude. It is just a piece. Of, it would have cost like 20p to make back in the day, but certainly iconic. I think it's awesome, man. It's one of those that you just have somewhere. And then like, if you know, you know, like, you know, if I come around, you're like, no, that is, and obviously it'll come with a signed signed certificate of authenticity and and everything. You know, Julian Glover's signature on it, and so that you know, you, if you knew, you knew you would get it. And that I think that's the beauty of like that next level co- uh, collection stuff, where it's not just like, oh, look, there's some stuff that's very clearly Star Wars. It's like, oh, that's the proper stuff. And this is one of those. So I'm, I'm super curious about how much this will go for. Um, we'll see. We'll see how much it goes for. It's, uh, I think the auction's at the end of July. So we'll see how much that goes for. I'd wear we'll, it. Uh, we'll I'd, I'd wear it, dude. back on that. Yeah. You want wear it? I'd just wear it all the time. You'd wear it all the time, would like, you? Like, Gary, what you, what's that you're wearing? Well, if you don't know, we're not friends anymore. And if you do know, you should know why I'm wearing it. So. That, I mean, that's a bold, it's a bold move. It's a bold statement. But I admire that, you know, nipping down the gym. You got your shorts on, you got your little t-shirt on, and then your Star Wars general rank insignia. <laughs> back off. Just point back at the badge. Off. Back off, right? See the badge? Can't touch me. Get me a drink. General says so. <laughs> yeah, that's an order. <laughs> exactly. Well, good luck with that, mate. Let me know if you win the auction, and if you do, I'm going to hold you to that. Right, Notion Kanban board. Wear badge oh. at all times. Not again. Yeah, put it under the Lego one. Not above the Lego one, put it under. Here we go. Hey, here's shade. one for you. Shade. Totally did, yeah. Ah, catching the shade. Hey, the office is 19 years old this week, did you see, on Thursday? I saw, mate. Yeah, did Ricky reply to you? Well. Let's not dwell let's on not whether dwell. it's important that he replied or not, <laughs> yeah? Let's just move on. Let's move on. God. Didn't want him to. Let's go for it. Didn't want him to. <laughs> 
So, no, I give him a little tweet. Man. He does like the old tweets though now and again. He yeah. gives him a little like and a retweet. He's a good. He's good for a bit of balance, isn't he? On, yeah. on. Uh, but I, 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 I think I put it in my tweet. Like I was literally, literally one of the ones that thought this was a documentary for like one episode. And I was like, <laughs> "What is this guy? This is amazing!" And then I realized it wasn't a documentary. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's still amazing. So <laughs> honestly, and it like brings people together. We I, again, I put it on my tweet thread. Like legitimately, I was in common room in Sheffield. And uh, I think it was me and Sam or someone, and we, we were out, and I just went, me, Lager, Sam, Lager, Wayne, Lager, sometimes Cider. And the barman, without missing a beat, just went, different drinks, different meads. <laughs> like, yeah, he'll do, mate. <laughs> Did you say you were still friends? Like, you were friends, like, from that point? Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Like, literally, well, it turns out then he worked in this cafe that we used to go to for our meetings on a, on a Monday morning. And then like, I'm like, hi, Alex, how's your dad? And mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just so random, dude. But <clears throat> the office, happy birthday to the office. I know that's a bit of a digression. Right. Let's do the last bit of news. This is something that uh, is pretty badass. Is is pretty badass. So Rise of Skywalker. Remember the Rise of Skywalker when we all wanted those forced ghosts to appear at the end with Rey and start to do some bad assery and uh, really just come back and help her out. And we thought we were going to see all these force ghosts <clears throat> and we thought we were going to see them do something. We didn't. We got the voices, which was, you know, it was nice enough. We got everyone from Freddie Prince Jr. Um, we got Ashley Eckstein in there. We got everyone from Mace Windu to Qui-Gon Jinn to Obi-Wan to Luke. Um, did we get Leia in there as well, maybe? We'd certainly got Yoda in there. <clears throat> anyway, we got all of these force ghosts, but we didn't see them. We still think that there's a cut out there somewhere where this scene was filmed. We still believe that because of all the reports that Hayden Christensen was on site uh, doing some filming. So a fan has edited from the movies this scene to feature Jedi Force Ghosts. And dude, like it's the ghost of what could have been. It is absolutely <laughs> badass. Like it's really, really sweet. And uh, I don't know if you've watched it, but it, it's not a long scene. It's like one minute, 50 something and it just shows, regardless of everything else that the Rise of Skywalker does, that this scene with that in there would have added so much gravitas to it, like so much. And when um, there's a lot of kind of um, a lot of contempt for how Ray was able to hold the two lightsabers and force the force lightning back when someone like Mace Windu couldn't do it. Um, you know, Yoda struggled a little bit with it when it came to beat Insidious. And the, the theory was that she was all of the Jedi, just as like, you know, he was all the Sith. But this edit, as she starts to walk forward, the fan has edited in all of the Jedi Force ghosts helping to push her by doing the old Force push. Like everyone from Anakin to Luke to Obi-Wan, Yoda. Dude, it is badass. It is badass. So you've seen this. You watch, Of course you've watched it. I don't even know why I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watched it. It gave me goosebumps, actually. Because like Likewise. you said, it's like the ghost that could have, that could have been, and it changes the whole vibe of that last scene as well. It just, ma it just elevates it to a much more, first of all, it, it elevates it to a much more of a balanced confrontation between Ray and Palps. Because when you think about it, like you said, you've got, um, uh, you've got the, uh, Palps and all of the Exegol, um, uh, Sith dudes, and um, and and they're all sort of egging him on, and they're giving him power. And then you've got Palpatine that's like, "I am all the Sith." And then you've just got Ray on her own, you know. And it seems a little bit 
unevenly weighted. So when you put these force ghosts behind her, she like, and then she, and then they put their hands out and dude, it's amazing. And it really changes the, 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 the whole just feeling of that last scene and why they didn't do it is beyond me. I think if they had have done that, I know it's only a short scene and it's only a small bit, but that would have made the film. That would have got everyone up out of their seat cheering. Amazing dude. Love it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. That would have been a Captain America grabbing Mjolnir moment. You know, I was sat oh, in, yeah. The, yeah. in the in the cinema to watch that in Endgame. And it's it's the first time I've been sat in a cinema and people have cheered. I mean, mm-hmm. in the same movie in Endgame, it's the first time I've been sat in a cinema and people have been crying when Stark, you know, clicks his fingers. This had the potential to be that moment. And I would have, I'd have been up, dude. I'd have been up because I was the same as you. It's goose pimple territory. Um, and it's what we all wanted. And I know a lot of people have said like, well, you know, Ray and Luke, they didn't, you know, they didn't have, 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 um, they didn't have any, what's the word? Interaction with Anakin. They wouldn't know who he was. They didn't have an interaction with Obi-Wan. It was Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan, not Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan. So we wouldn't have, you know, there would have not been any emotional tied to it but because it was Ray she'd never met Yoda she'd never met any of the people that were talking to her so like it's like oh the, who are these strangers surely it just from a narrative perspective seeing people that dress like you is better than some random voices you know so it's like there's so much narratively to it that was just missed and I yeah we're gonna wrap up on this one but like do you do you believe that that scene exists somewhere do you believe they film that I do I, I don't believe it exists with all the effects and everything, but I do feel like there's a, a very rough cut of that that scene. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I think so too, dude. I think so too. But go and check it out. We've put a link in the show notes. Um, obviously with our new clickable timestamp, so you can click to go straight to that, minute 43.50. Um, so go and check that out because it really does change the entire, entire film. It really is pretty sweet. call that a wrap for today then it's been a good show dude we've uh, had a fair bit of news to dig into um we're gonna get to next week what's coming up next week we have the darth vader mystery that we mentioned right at the beginning of the show we're gonna push that into next week and we've got <laughs> two interesting things five reasons yoda's dumb revenge of the sith plan was secret brilliant okay and phantom menace is why the star wars prequels finally deserve some respect which is a fascinating article that i spent a bit of time reading this week so that is what's coming up next week on the show if you enjoy the show thank you for tuning in as normal it's always a pleasure to be able to talk star wars with you the ever-present listener and star wars aficionado just like us you can go uh, just check us out on patreon patreon.com slash spark rebellion go and get involved get some exec producer credits get yourself some swag that's patreon.com slash spark rebellion and hit us up on the social media channel of your choice as well just do a search for spark of rebellion so from me that's an adios and gaz always a pleasure my man cheers for uh you know doing the lego <clears throat> what here we go here we go not gonna hear the end of that i'm gonna have to get it done i'll send you a screenshot dude of the old notion board um yeah so thank you very much star wars fans for tuning in for another week it's been great to uh, chat Star Wars as always we will see you next week for episode 65 until then take care of yourselves stay safe and may the force be with you always